Welcome or welcome back to episode five of the Sonia Looney Show. And here is a quote from this week's guest. I just knew that I believed it. And I've never been so obsessed with anything in my entire life. And I always wanted to be obsessed with something. Every job I've ever had, just kind of get bored. You know, I wanted that mission to pour myself into 100% and this was it. Like I was 34 years old, I'm 35 now, and it finally came around. I'm not gonna sit in my stupid cubicle for the rest of my life making some other guy rich when I have this crazy passion. That was Brian Kennedy, the man with the YouTube channel that you should be watching. Brian Kennedy mountain bikes the best trails around the world and documents them on his YouTube channel, BKXE. He started documenting his adventures in April of 2016, not that long ago, and has quickly become one of the top creators in the mountain biking world. He took the leap to become a full-time YouTuber in August of 2016 and has not looked back. I love this discussion with Brian because we share a lot of the same passions and we took a lot of the same risks whenever we were moving forward with our businesses. Brian's a firm believer in taking responsibility for your own personal growth and surrounding yourself with people and content that helps inspire you and help drive you towards your passion. And in this great interview and conversation, we talk about how he overcame the fear of quitting his full-time job in order to become a full-time YouTuber who is relentlessly pursuing his passion, some YouTube tips, and generally just some great mountain bike stoke. It's a story of somebody who found their passion and was brave enough to leave their comfort zone and make sacrifices in order to make things happen. And it's really inspiring because he's been so successful and he's really honest and open about how he did it. It was my great privilege to have this conversation with Brian. I sincerely hope that you enjoy it. I bring to you Brian Kennedy, BKXC. Hi, Brian. How's it going, Sonia? Good to see you again. Yeah, you too. Uh, we've only known each other a few months, but it feels like we've known each other a really long time. It's always the the online relationships where you like see them on Instagram and you watch videos. It's like you think you know someone and you, you do, but you don't kind of thing until you meet them in person. Yeah, I bet you have people coming up to you all over the place whenever you're at events or just out riding trails and they're like, I follow your YouTube. It is. It's actually kind of silly too because they'll know... You know, if they're really a fan, they'll know these little personal details about my life that I, I let out, which I enjoy talking about my life and stuff, but it is kind of, it's always like, oh, you'll know if they really watch or not. That's right. Yeah, it was funny because at Sea Otter, that's where we met for the first time. That's where we met in person, <laughs> made this relationship official. Um, but you did a little YouTube video on your experience at Sea Otter, and you talked about a bunch of different people, including like seeing Danny McCaskill one in the morning just warming up, which is kind of a cool behind the scenes thing. It was but, cool. I, I had to hold myself back from like running over and like saying, hey, 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 just, just try to be as chill as I possibly could. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it was so cool because a bunch of people emailed me and they said, I saw you on BKXE's YouTube. And it's like, wow, like worlds are colliding here. That is cool. That is so cool. I, I love hearing that. It's amazing the reach that the YouTubes make possible. Yeah. So I'd love to talk about your story because I think it's a really incredible story and one that all of us can 
find some inspiration from because man, you just, you went for it. You were working. So let's talk about what you were doing before. What, what job were you working before? Yeah. So I was a web developer and it's funny because this whole story, it, it really relates to a lot of the stuff you talk about and what this podcast is about, about building the best version of yourself. And I don't think I really started doing that until maybe three or four years ago, started reading a ton of different books self-help audiobooks, business audiobooks, and you start laying the foundation for wanting to be the best version of yourself and like setting goals and being determined to do that instead of just being, I was basically couch potato. I like TV and movies and I still do, but when you're building your own thing, there's no time for that stuff anymore. <laughs> so, wait, wait, yeah. did you ride a bike? I, you know, five years ago, I think I started mountain biking about five or six years ago. Yeah. So it's pretty so, new. Yeah, it is. And I've never been out of shape, but I've never been in shape, you know, until starting mountain biking. <laughs> you know, that first time when you go mountain biking, it's just like, oh, my God, you're dying. And you're like, how does anybody do this? And so me and my brother got pretty obsessed about mountain biking and, and started going every weekend. And we had been going every weekend for a long time until basically I really got serious about my channel. And then I'm traveling around. So something I want to get back to is hanging out with my brother more on the weekends. Yeah. So you're working as a web developer and you were enjoying watching TV and movies and having some downtime. But what made you decide, hey, like maybe I should start a YouTube channel about mountain biking and mountain bike travel? So it was definitely, I'll, I'll even roll it back a little bit more again. So I always, you know, I got obsessed about mountain biking and the travel. The travel aspect to me was always amazing. The photos, the videos, you just see all these great trails all around the world. So when I started building the best version of myself, I wanted to build a business on the side so I could just go mountain bike all the time. Like that's that would be the perfect thing, just some business over on the side where I got it up and running and rolling and then I could go mountain bike all the time. So part of that was I was a web guy for many years. I worked at a newspaper, then I worked at a cookware company and eventually on that, I quit my job and I went to this program called Dev Bootcamp and learned programming like deep programming. And then I went back to the cookware company after that. <laughs> so it's like all these different layers of like, you know, like trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I started a different YouTube channel playing around with different stuff. It's called the Wi-Fi Garden. There's videos out there and it's about smart sprinkler controllers because basically the more I read about stuff is the more you become an authority on some niche, the better you can do with affiliate links and commissions and stuff like that. Nobody was doing videos about smart sprinkler controllers. But what they, made you want to do a sprinkler control? Like, that's so random. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Because I actually had the problem where I would go out and it'd be raining in the morning and my front sprinklers would be on and it'd be raining. And I'm like, there has to be a better way. <laughs> so there actually was. There's a bunch of different smart sprinkler controllers that connect to Wi-Fi, detects if it rains or not. And wow. I got started, I bought one, I reviewed it, I did like an unboxing, I did a setup, and then I did a review after two weeks and put those videos up of the first one. And then I emailed the 10 other companies that make them and said, hey, can I get one? And the other company said, yeah, sure, no problem. So then I basically reviewed every single one on the market and became the authority to be able to say, this one sucks, this one's good and use Amazon affiliate links because they're like $300 items. So every time someone buys one through my link, you get like 12 or 15 bucks. So that was my, that was the seed. That was the seed of like, okay, this could be a little business. And it's funny too, because it did pretty dang well, a few hundred bucks a month. 
And then it kind of tapered off. And now it's like doing well again in this year, even though I haven't touched it for months and months because it's springtime again and people's lawns are coming. So yeah, so that was my experiment. I, long story short, I've studied YouTube. Like I've known about YouTube, but YouTube mountain biking was never appealing to me because it was always shaky cam. It was bad music in the background. <laughs> and I just, I could not watch it. I couldn't. Yeah. Or it was like Yeti and Specialized where it was super overproduced and it right. was great. It was really cool, like emotional, but it never said what trail they're actually riding. And that always pissed me off because I'm like, I want to travel. I want to go. I want to actually ride whatever this trail is. I want to do it. And those videos do not offer that whatsoever. It's just pure fantasy. So then I saw Nate Hills and his video on Hangover and it immediately changed my life within a, two seconds of seeing it. I could tell it wasn't shaky. The audio was clear as a bell. And I was like, what is going on here? What what has changed? How is this different? And in the comments, everyone's like, oh, what gimbal do you use? And I didn't had no idea what a gimbal was. So yeah. And for the listeners that don't know what a gimbal is, tell us what a gimbal is. <laughs> so yeah. So normally when you wear chest mounted GoPro, it's just mounted straight to like a chest plate. But there's this steady cam thing called a gimbal, which is basically a very interesting gyroscopic little device that has motors and batteries that keeps the GoPro steady while you are blasting down the trail. And it's pretty magical. It also allows, see the other component of the gimbal is that it takes the GoPro out of that waterproof case where the audio is awful inside the, the waterproof case. It takes it out of that and now you can talk while you're on the trail. And I that was the biggest thing that I noticed when I was li- watching Nate Hill's videos, that the audio was crystal clear. I noticed that about your videos as well. And I thought, how is he how is he doing that? Because I've actually tried talking to like I am the person that has had the shaky YouTube and or shaky uh, videos. And I actually don't post them because I'm like, this sucks and you can't even hear me. And I saw yours and you're like talking to the camera and now now your secret, now I know it. (laughs) Yeah, I I put my secrets out there for everyone. And that's one thing, like I invite everyone to start a channel, play with it, do it, like see see what works. And that was the thing when I saw that Nate Hills video and he doesn't talk much in his videos. And it's, I saw that as a complete opportunity to tell a story while I was writing. Because I also watch other channels like Jay Leno's Garage and The Smoking Tire. They're about cars. And those guys drive these cars around and they tell stories and talk. So I saw it as such a perfect opportunity. Within 10 seconds of seeing that video, it changed my life basically. And I said, okay, let's buy all the equipment and let's see if I'm actually good at this. That's amazing. But, you know, backing up. So you said that you spent a lot of time working on personal development. And a lot of these steps that you've made aren't just like, I did this, this, and this, and and voila. It's like most people wouldn't even think to take that step. But because you spent the time and you built up your confidence and you said you you and you decided I'm gonna go for this, you're able to take those steps. Cause like a lot of people wouldn't say, okay, well, I'm just gonna contact all these different sprinkler companies and (laughs) see if they wanna send like most people don't make that connection that they should do that. And that's a really unique and special thing to do from a business standpoint and it's really creative yeah i and and thinking about that and and trying to deconstruct that and reverse engineer that is so interesting to me because it's it's like the food we eat and the food we consume aka you know just like your vegan plant-powered diet you have to be consuming great food for your body but you also need to be consuming great food for your brain 
And then you need to be taking action and pushing yourself. So if I could say anything for anyone, it was it was really about getting on the bike and pushing myself cardio-wise and then getting into the gym and lifting weights and having goals, pushing myself, hurting myself, you know, doing stuff that is really, really uncomfortable and then seeing it progress and then seeing those changes with your body and seeing that Strava time get 10 seconds faster and it's addictive and you know you're getting somewhere even though you're you're putting yourself through hell basically <laughs> that that is li- like that there's nothing better like I, we're both fans of Gary Vaynerchuk and he basically says like the people who eat shit for 10 years are the ones who win so if you're willing to eat yeah. if you're willing to eat it for a long long time and struggle and fight that's that's how you win yeah and even even with the the concept of winning like, I actually want to send Gary V a note saying, you keep talking about winning, but you're talking about winning like it's this end point. And it's really not because you might be, quote, winning for a day or a minute or what, however period of time, but you're always going to have to keep striving and working. And no matter how successful you are, you're still going to feel that that push-pull and the frustrations and the I'm getting somewhere and then the, oh, wait, maybe I'm not getting somewhere. How am I going to evolve? You are so right. You're so right. There's no end point. There is no, absolutely no end point. You always have to be fighting. You always have to be looking for that next thing. And I think you see that in like, so my great grandfather lived to like 95 years old and like never slowed down. And you just, I just saw that in him. He wasn't a rich guy, but he, you know, he really had no means at all. He was a blue collar iron worker. He worked on the Golden Gate Bridge and the Bay Bridge and in the thirties and stuff, but he just always had a fight in him. He always kept kicking. He was always like never satisfied. It was very ornery old person. And that there's something to that. Yeah, for sure. And I love that you're talking about like the sense of clarity that you got from exercise, from pushing yourself, from seeing what it's like. If, if, what if I make it hurt a little bit more? Because I do think that there's a lot of extraordinary lessons that we find from challenges that are physical, whether it be running or, or, or biking or in the gym. And then we can apply that into our daily life. And you've done a phenomenal job of that. But I wanted to ask you, you what are your favorite personal development books? Because I also love these. And I, I know that like there's lots of like closet self-helpers out there too. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, what, oh, what were I'll your favorites? I'll come out of the closet for sure. Yeah. So years ago, probably 10 years ago, I read uh, Seth Godin's Lynchpin. And that was like the first one that kind of got me going, but I didn't do anything with it. And so it just kind of fell by the wayside. Um, one that I always suggest to people is called The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. And yes. it's just a bunch of different stuff, just a bunch of different stuff. Affirmations, you know, the law of attraction, so much hokey dokey stuff that on the outside, you can make fun of all you want. But when you're stuck doing the same thing you've always done, and the people who get what they want are setting those goals and pushing those boundaries and and doing that stuff. It's it's magic. It really is. Uh, Getting things done by David Allen is a great one that kind of sets you up for a system. Now I'm blanking a little bit, but I've well, got if th- more. If you think of more, we can put them in the show notes. But yeah. I actually love the Success Principles by Jack Canfield, and I have the audiobook version. So I love Audible and I listen to audiobooks and podcasts while I ride my bike. And I used to listen to music and I still do here and there, especially if I'm trying to push myself. But I noticed that there's this crazy connection whenever you're listening to something that's 
motivational or you're trying to learn something while you're exercising. Cause I'll remember, like I'll see a tree and I'll remember what I heard when I saw that tree. Yes. Yes. I do the same thing with audiobooks, and there's a place where I hike in the Crockett Hills. I rarely hike, but there's this place when I, I turned the corner, it was like a fiction book that I was listening to one time. And it's like, I remember that place and all that, that turn. It's so true. That's so awesome. So let's talk about your transition. So you're working as a web developer and you got this YouTube thing going on the side and it's starting to attract attention. And just for everybody that's not familiar, like 10 months ago, you had a thousand followers or subscribers on YouTube. And even that is like a great number. But I look today and it's at almost 55,000 followers, subscribers, and it's only been 10 months. Like that's amazing. So at what point did you decide, okay, I'm going to go full time. I'm going all in here. Yeah. So my second and third videos were pretty popular and I had really good positive feedback. So from that point, I was like, okay, I think I've got something here. Like that, that positive reinforcement was there from the beginning, which is very tough. Like, I think that's very, very rare. And I was very lucky for that, but that's why the mountain biking niche was just starving for content. Like that's the thing. So I start making the videos and do as many as I can. I think I was only once a week for several months, but I would just plan a vacation. Like I took a vacation to Whistler and got a bunch of videos out of it. And then I could just see that there was this steady growth rate. People really liked it. And that eventually, so I started in April, 2016, and I figured by May, 2017, that I would have 50,000 subscribers. Like I had already done the math. Like that's amazing. <laughs> <in> July, <What? laughs> or, it was just that consistent. It was just, I'd studied what happened with Seth's channel and with It just, I saw it happening unless I had some kind of weird viral thing happen, which isn't always positive FYI, because it just brings in people that aren't your people. Like, so I've been able to slowly grow, not slowly grow, but I've been able to grow my people. I want my people to come to my channel. So by August, the summer was slipping away. And basically my plan was in May, 2017, I would quit my job because by then I would have 50,000 subscribers. And in my business model, 50,000 subscribers would be enough to keep me full-time supported, sustainable business. Based on the ads or what was that based on? So based on a lot of things. So any YouTube business is like an eight-legged octopus. So you've got YouTube (laughs) ads, which is decent. You've got Patreon, which is really the real heroes of my channel is the people that choose to support me at $3 a month or more and keep me riding the trails. They are my real sponsors. That's why I try to avoid company sponsors because I want to be beholden to the fans. I do t-shirts. All my t-shirt campaigns have done really well and I do my best to come up with something really cool that people would really like. Affiliate links, like I talked before about the sprinkler controllers, I do bike parts. So everyone asks, hey, what bag do you have? What handlebars do you have? What grips do you use? I have links in my description to everything I use and my camera gear. So I've probably sold more gimbals than anyone on the planet (laughs) through my links of uh, people buying a gimbal or a GoPro through Amazon. So that's another one. So just all these little bits and pieces here and there that add up to a sustainable income. And that was August and it wasn't there yet, but it was coming and the summer was slipping away. And I just said, I cannot let this nice weather like pass me by. I'm just gonna go for it, quit my job. It'll happen in May, I'll get to a sustainable point. It might even happen faster now that I'm gonna put out three videos a week and just go crazy. (laughs) And that's what I did, but it was scary. It was so scary. Yeah, so you were scared, but how did you overcome that? Because 
for a lot of people. And I mean, I myself made a jump like this whenever I was like, I was a professional athlete, but I had a full-time job and I went from that to being a hundred percent on my own, running my own business. So how did you get through that fear of what happens if I fail and what happens if it takes longer than I thought? Yeah, it was huge fear and it's society. What's my grandma and grandpa going to think? What's my mom and dad going to think? You know, all that. How would I explain it to them? And, but I was certain that I was going to make it work. I mean, only if I, and I hate to say it, only if I, you know, crashed and broke my neck was it going to end. And even then, I'll still friggin' make videos, you know? Like, there's still something yeah. something to talk about. The journey back. There'd be a but, lot to talk about, but we don't, <laughs> we don't hope that that happens. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I just knew that I believed it. And I've never been so obsessed with anything in my entire life. And I always wanted to be obsessed with something. Every job I've ever had, just kind of get bored. You know, I wanted that mission to pour myself into 100%. And this was it. Like I was 34 years old. I'm 35 now. And it finally came around. I'm not going to sit in my stupid cubicle for the rest of my life making some other guy rich when I have this crazy passion. So it took a lot. It still took a lot. It took a lot of Casey Neistat inspirational videos. It took a, a Tim Ferriss podcast, I think, with Shay Carl, YouTuber guy. You basically have the ability to surround yourself with a bunch of badass people, just like this podcast we're doing right now. You're basically Woo-hoo! sitting you're <laughs> sitting in the room with us and feeding off this energy that it's possible. It's also a lot like American Idol where some people think they can sing and they really can't, but it's possible. If you if you get that feedback, if you get that positive reinforcement, friggin' go for it, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I don't actually know which show it was, but my mom's friend, her father was on one of those, I don't know if it was American Idol or the other one. I think it's called The Voice, maybe. And he was the old guy where, like, he was singing some, like, heavy metal thing on there. And he was freaking horrible. I saw the YouTube of it because they're like, check this out. And he actually won and went to the next level. And it was like Five Finger Death Punch or something like that. And he actually was touring around with the band. He's like 80 something years old. Like, that's so crazy. <laughs> and but, it was like his version of winning though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but back to what you're saying. I mean, it takes such an amazing amount of courage, even when you have that passion. But I think you and I and a bunch of people listening to this podcast are lucky because we know what our passion is. And you, you said that it took you until age 34 to even find what that passion was. And you got there by pursuing things that were interesting to you and not giving up on that. And then being willing to take that step to say, okay, like I got to take this to the next level. I can't sit here another day. I cannot stand to sit here another day and not try. And it's so inspiring and it's so cool to watch you. And I'm excited to continue to see what else you do. But something that I love about what you're doing is how open you are. Like you said, I have no secrets and you've helped me a lot too. Like I'm willing to help anybody who comes my way. And I aspire to be that way as well, because a lot of times when people find success, especially in a public space, like what we're doing, social media, YouTube, podcasting, even people want to hold their cards right here because they're afraid if somebody else catches wind of what I'm doing, they're going to copy me. And then what if they do it better? And then I'm out of business. And a lot of people have that fear, but really whenever you open up and you've seen it and I've seen it, it really just makes the pie bigger and it makes the world better for everybody. So I think that that's really awesome because I'm sure that you've had that feeling. I I know that I can honestly say I've had it when someone wants help and they're, I am worried they're going to do it better than me. And I, I feel a little ball in my stomach, like, oh no, like, 
okay. And then you have to push through that ball and be like, no, I'm helping this person. I'm not going to be selfish and hold it all in. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. But I know in my heart, if they're good enough, they'll find their people. And I know my people like what I do. You know, I cuss in my videos. I'm goofy. Like, I'm not the best writer. There's all these little elements that make people connect to me versus connect to you or connect to any other YouTuber out there. And like you said, the pie is definitely big enough for other people to emerge and do it right and find their people. Just like anything else, like TV shows and music and stand-up comedy, there's anyone can start out kind of doing the same routine. And of course, I've seen about 100 YouTube channels start after I started mine, kind of being like, hey, I'm gonna have the gimbal and I'm gonna go ride trails. And people will evolve. People, the good people will find their own voice and find it and they'll, they'll knock it out of the park. And then if they're big, then they can help me too. I can help them. They can help me. So cooperation over competition. Yeah. And what you said about being you. And I think that a lot of times when we see somebody that we look up to, we're going to say, I'm going to be like that person. But really what we should be doing is saying, I want to do kind of what that person is doing, but I'm going to be me. I'm not going to be them. And I think that that's a really important line to draw there. And something that I constantly remind myself of too is like, I just have to be myself. I don't need to be anybody else. It's a powerful thing. And like I said, it's years in the making. This like being curious and trying to go through my own baggage that we all have and trying to figure myself out and navigate this. So I was ready when I saw that Nate Hills video. You know, it was 34 years of being ready, of being curious, of, you know, reverse engineering stuff. So it wasn't just, you know, boom, hit it. It was all these other things that built up to that moment. And I had my I had my bat in my hands and I took a swing. <laughs> Yeah, like you were filling up your tank full of fuel, doing all these different things. And you spent a lot of time learning about the business of YouTube, something that a lot of people haven't actually done when they actually start a YouTube channel. And all it took was that one spark to ignite the little wick on your fuel tank. And now you have so much fuel in there from everything you've been doing that it's going to be burning and you're continually adding in the fuel. Because what we consume, like what you said about I'm listening to audiobooks and, and I, I'm, I'm watching other YouTubers, you're surrounding yourself, whether it's in person or digitally, with things that feed you and things that inspire you and motivate you, not things that drag you down or things that take away from your vision. And when you're obsessed, that's what you do. You, you go all in and what you're doing is just continually fueling the fire because it's hard because there are days like I want to talk about it sounds all awesome, but it's it's not always all awesome. And I want to talk about the challenges you've had because those things you surround yourself with especially are helpful on those hard days. Yeah, it's funny. Like the negative comments, there might only be one every couple days, but they still hurt. It's like so ridiculous that I get amazing positive comments, at least 10 great comments a day of like, hey, man, this is awesome. I was type two diabetic. I, I ride with my son now and I lost 35 pounds. Like you inspire me to get out and ride every day. Like serious, like bring a tear to your eye kind of yes. stuff. And then, oh, you're a piece of garbage or, you know, just stupid stuff that it actually hurts. And it's like, what is going, it's, I yeah. still have a hard time. I'm getting better because the positivity, especially meeting people in person and seeing people's smiles on their face when they're like, hey, Brian, hey, man. And like yeah. that fuel and it reinforces that I am doing something amazing in the world because no matter who you are, unless you're a psychopath, you have doubts and you have self-doubt and you're like, ah, are people actually going to like this? So there's always that there. But 
yeah, you just push through and you keep going. And the great thing about it is I'm so busy. Like there's no time to wallow. It'll hit me. It'll cut me a little bit, especially when it's like, you know, it's kind of half true. It's something you're already kind of worried about and something you're already self-conscious about. And it hits you just in that right spot. And it's like, God, ah, but I've got other stuff to do. I've got to keep my pipeline full. I've got videos to edit. I've got to get stuff done and pull straight forward. And I know it's only going to get worse as more people find my channel and as I get bigger and bigger. Yeah, I think that when it comes to negative comments, because I've definitely had my share of those (laughs) over the years with writing and photos and videos and things like that as well. And yeah, like because what you said about whenever you believe it to be maybe a little bit true, it's like a little bit of a a self-criticism maybe. And then somebody confirms that criticism It is really hard to stomach that. But something that I've told myself is like, it's not about me. Like when somebody says something mean, it's not about actually about you. It's about them. And they just have a small mind. And so it doesn't make it hurt less, but it helps you like pull away and say, these are the feelings and these are the facts and being able to separate those two things. Yeah, it's it's huge. Like when I get those comments, it is such a mirror. That person is so just saying, what they what hurts them, what kind of pain they've gone through. We've all gone through pain, but we don't all lash out. And it's very much I picture those people in my past that I know are, you know, not quite right, that haven't got their stuff together, that are very sad about not reaching their goals and not going out and living their life and kind of attach that anonymous comment to someone in my past that maybe is, you know, not the best person <laughs> and hasn't found their yeah. way and gone through their own baggage and and set goals. So it's easier to stomach when it's like, oh, wait, it's just that guy saying that. Of course, I wouldn't listen to that dumbass. Yeah. And what you said about you read every comment and that's amazing. Like there's a lot of people out there that they just like put their content out there and they don't read it and they don't respond to it. And how awesome is it for all of your subscribers that they get you? Yeah, it's tough because YouTube is the best with like comment management. So this is Hmm. getting techie here, but like YouTube, all the comments come into a bucket. I can see when I last responded and I can just scroll through and be like, oh, cool. And read those comments. You know, if it's just a nice or a thumbs up, give them a thumbs up back kind of thing. But so many people write so many great and well-reasoned comments. I'm so obligated to come back and say, thank you. I feed off of that stuff so much. I honestly have a hard time with people that don't have as many subscribers or don't have, you know, that just don't respond to the comments, especially when there's good stuff in there. And it's also, I've kind of managed my comments to be good. Like I delete stuff that is just funky and stupid. So it's not a cesspool like YouTube can be. And Mm -hmm. I think that kind of trains my audience that it's like, if you put first, it's not gonna, like, I don't respond. Like I almost train them. Like if you're putting some goofy stuff, I don't respond. If you put something that's decent and awesome, I will respond. But then on Facebook and Instagram, it's not a bucket. It's like, if someone comments on an old photo, there's no way you get back to it. It's only new ones and you kind of try to check it. And then Facebook's the same way. So I feel bad, but I I can only limit myself so much. And also, I don't have direct messages on on Instagram. I just say, email me, email me. I'm not going to start a text relationship with you because then you have access to me getting push notifications and did he see it or not. So I'm as open as I can be while still having very good boundaries of how much I'm going to like interact and say and all that stuff. So it's a dicey thing. I know the day is going to come where I won't be able to respond to everybody, but I'll always find time to respond to people that have 
put the effort in to write an awesome comment. Yeah, you definitely have to manage your energy whenever you have a lot of different people coming at you from all angles, for sure. Yes, yes. That, that time vampires. There are people that like, it's great. You help them out that first time. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they come back with like a magnum opus. And then it's back. And it's like, man, your heart's in the right place. But I don't have time to tell you what the best hardtail is between $700 and $900. And if you go to Moab, if you should do this or that. <laughs> Yeah, so I have a a question that's a little bit more even deeper than we've already been here. And it's because I heard an interview, and I forget who it was, but it was with a really famous YouTuber. And I listen to interviews like on Gary Vaynerchuk or on other, other podcasts with influencers. And some of us, myself included, you know, you get kind of stuck on how are you measuring your success? If you're putting content out there, like for you, it's like number of views on a video and number of subscribers. And sometimes that stuff kind of will ebb and flow. Like sometimes you're killing it and sometimes you're not killing it. So whenever your self-worth gets tied up in how many followers you have, how many subscribers, how many views, it's easy to kind of get lost and even feel a little bit depressed whenever things aren't quite going your way. And I heard, that I heard this YouTuber guy talk about it and it was so nice to hear somebody actually talk about it because no one ever does. Because it's a little bit embarrassing to talk about in a way because it's like we're not 100% obsessed with that, but we care about that stuff. It is. It's a bizarre world that we live in of how superficial we are but not, right? Like it's so bizarre. And yeah, when I put out a video and it doesn't get more than 10,000 views, it is definitely a failure. It's like, what happened? What's wrong? But the thing is, it's three days a week. I'm always churning out. Like, so I used to work at a newspaper and it was boom, onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto the next thing. And you learn, you know, some videos aren't going to do great because they're just not great. But I think as long as I keep telling my story and building the connection between me and my people, that's what it's all about. So that's why I'm so glad about Patreon and being able to say, hey, if you really buy into this, it's three bucks a month and that will keep me going versus, okay, what gimmick video do I need to make to hit two million views and fake something because my worth is dependent on views. And then, okay, what's the next thing? Oh, what's the next thing? Like, I'm so glad I haven't had to enter that mindset. It's there. It's always there in the back of your mind of like, ooh, what could I do? What I have ideas that are genuine ideas that I think would do great, like views wise and bring new people to the channel wise. But staying true to just like telling my story and how stoked people get on that even if the video only has 10,000 views. And I'm sure for some people that's like ridiculous to even hear me say that, but you know, you're raising your own bars. You you raise your bar as you go along. But yeah, as long as I keep interacting with my people, keep finding my people, I feel like I'm insulated from that, from it doesn't have to be a 200,000 view. It doesn't have to be a million view video. Like i just have this deep connection with my friends, my people and I think that's the YouTube way. Anybody that's not doing YouTube that way, it's going to be tough on you. Yeah. So your focus is building authentic content that means something, not necessarily to try and attract more views and to really focus on building that community because that's what matters to you the most. It does. It does. And that's what I get fired up about the most. But of course, when I see a video gets 50,000 views, I'm like, 
nice, sweet. That is awesome. I'm, I get fired up about it, but I do my best not to check. I'll check a couple times a day. Like today, uh, it's Monday. So a new video comes out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I wake up, I'll see how many comments are there. I see how many views are there. And I kind of have an idea. Like if I wake up and there's 2000 views, that's good. And then, okay. Oh, after lunch, 5,000, you know, all that stuff, which just doesn't mean anything, you know, that that video is already done and, and you're on to the next thing and you're just trying to do better and get stronger every day. Yeah, but that, that dopamine hit is nice though. Like when you check and you want to see how many likes or views or whatever, and it's yeah. it's actually really addicting too. <laughs> it's it, it can be. And it's also why I feel so grateful that it's a slow process and that it's you have to build it every day and you have to just go because of course I'd love to collaborate with Casey Neistat and be in a Casey Neistat video and take him mountain biking and then all of a sudden I'll get a bunch of subscribers but what does it mean it's it's like hitting the lotto and you blow all the money kind of thing it's like bringing people in it'd be great it'd be awesome but what about just doing the work every day and just going to work just digging that trench, just digging it, digging it deep, digging it an inch wide and a mile deep. Yeah, hard work pays off and the patience to get there, it like it looks like how I framed it, like, oh, you had a thousand subscribers and then 10 months later, boom, you're already at 55,000. But it's like, no, no, it's not that fast. Like you spent a decade working on that. And and every day you continue to work on that. It's it's not this like wham, bam, boom, this because our society makes it look like we have this like crazy amount of success right away. Like these people are just all of a sudden super famous or super successful. But really, any person who's achieved anything has been working for years to get to where they're at. It just their little spark that took them to the next level might have just been recently. Always, always like, yeah. And the patience, the patience is key of like if you just stop and look back and be like, wow, OK, Yes, this I have climbed 5,000 feet of elevation. If you look back down the mountain versus, but you have to have that fire to always be like, okay, what's next? What's next? How can I line up? What can I do next? How can, ooh, if I did this, what would be different? So it's a crazy balance. It really is a crazy balance of all these things. And so far I have not burned out whatsoever. I love it. I still love traveling. I still love meeting new people and the fire is burning brighter than ever. So very grateful. I, I wake up in the morning and kind of try to think about what I'm grateful for. And when I go to bed, I think about what I'm grateful for too. And all that, all those hokey dokey things, those hippy dippy things that I talked about that are important to me. Yeah. Having a gratitude practice is important for just overall happiness in our life because you train yourself to focus on the good things and what you're thankful for, as opposed to what you don't have. And it's easy to get stuck in a negative feedback loop uh, there's so much psychology and experiments out there that show that you are what you focus on. So that's yes. great. A hundred percent. And like we said before, you surround yourself with good people. You have to cut negative people out of your life. It sucks. It's the hardest thing, but I have let friends go that are just a drain on me and it helps for sure. And the other thing I want to say is like, email me. I'm here. I respond to my emails. You know, it's you have a question. I will take the time to talk to you about something. If you got a question, like I said, let's keep it not make it a magnum opus, but we're out here. You know, maybe Sonia answers questions like that, too. But we're out here. We can take time when we can take time. And you're not all alone. Yeah. So let's get into the mountain biking side. We've talked all about the YouTube stuff, which is awesome. And I know that you've been telling me, like, come on, like, get your YouTube going and. <laughs> Yeah, and 
I just need to do it. So for anybody else looking to start a YouTube channel, yeah, get going. Like, and, and Brian's there to help you too and cheer you on. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> so like on your YouTube channel, it says your favorite place to ride is in Tahoe. But now you've traveled, uh, like where have you traveled? Number one, like I've seen you in New Zealand. I've seen you like all over the place. Yeah. So where have you been? Oh man, so many places. So I've been to Whistler twice, Colorado, Arizona. Haven't been to New Mexico yet. I definitely want to go there. East Coast, like North Carolina, Pisgah, Asheville, Spain, Australia, and Tasmania, New Zealand. Probably leaving stuff out. There's, you know, Southern California, Northern California, and there's so many more. Like, that's the greatest thing about my mission. My mission is to ride the best trails in the world and bring you along with me. And I'm never going to run out of great trails. There's great trails everywhere. And the comments are always awesome of like, hey, come to Copper Harbor, you know, come come here. I've heard of Copper Harbor too. (laughs) Exactly. And it's just like, that place is like 15 hours from everywhere too. So it's going to be tough, but I will get there and I will ride because it just seems amazing. But yeah, the fan interaction is what drives me and the trails of getting out there and just seeing the world is phenomenal. So what's been your favorite place to ride so far? Spain. So I went on this Spain. What, guide- what part of Spain? So it was the, the Pyrenees. So the northern part oh, of cool. Spain. And it was a, a guided trip with this company called Basque MTB. This guy, Doug, from Scotland, moved to Spain because his wife was from Spain. Hardcore mountain biker started scouting trails in the north of Spain and really found a lot of great stuff, started working with the locals. And now he has this just fantastic, like I dream about it. Like I seriously dream about this trip that I did last year. I'm going on another one this year. And uh, yeah, it's like all inclusive. Like you get up, they have breakfast and then you're on to the next place. You do three shuttles a day and Spain, rocky Spain. I cannot wait. It sounds like stage racing without the racing. Exactly. Maybe I, maybe I need to sign up for this program. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just a fun time. So your favorite type of trails are rocky trails. You know, I like everything. I'm like, I. it's kind of like me and women. I don't limit myself to one, you know, type. There's no, it's just one size doesn't fit all. There's all kinds of great things of flowy trails and rocky trails. And this, I'm completely open-minded. Whatever's fun is fun. That's really cool. Yeah, so... I got to ask this question because everybody wants to know this. So 27.5 or 29? Oh, my God. That is so funny because I've ridden a couple 29ers recently, <laughs> and I'm, like, starting to catch the bug. And then, like, three days ago, I rode the Yeti SB6, which is a 27.5, and it was, like, so amazing. It was the best bike I've ridden probably so far and it was on this crazy trail in Southern California. And I don't know, I haven't felt in love like that since I rode the Bronson. So, oh, it's like women again. It's like, there's always another pretty girl out there. It's hard to settle there's down. There's so many options. <laughs> <laughs> and they all do different things. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there is no right tool for the, there is no like one tool for every job. I, I agree with that 100%. Like it just depends on where you are and what you're doing. And they're all like, the cool thing about bikes is they're all fun and they're all different. Yes, and I try to emphasize that. And that's another thing where I had a Yeti SB66. It's like a 2012 bike or 2013 that I would probably still be riding today if it hadn't been stolen. It would probably have hurt my channel if I was still riding it today. But I try to just emphasize like the best bike is the bike you have. I hate that I'm so ingrained in this world of like super expensive bikes, but that's what I love kind of thing. But I hate like almost being the role model of like, no, you need a $10,000 bike to have any kind of fun. So I'm torn between these two things of like, just go ride. Just don't obsess about this. Just go ride. Please, for the love of God, just go ride. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think that's a good point because a lot of us started mountain biking probably on like a crappy bike and we loved it. And we didn't have to have the latest and greatest, shiniest thing to love mountain biking. And a more expensive bike typically means that it's going to be a little bit, a lot lighter, but that's basically what you're paying for. But like, I tell people like, as the bike gets more expensive, it actually like the drivetrain and, and the other components on it become a little less durable because they're lighter, they're softer just because you're paying a trade-off for the weight. So I actually tell people that you don't need the most expensive bike on the market. Get something that's kind of in the middle and it's only going to be like one or two pounds, maybe three heavier than the lightest, latest and greatest, which if you're not racing, like three pounds doesn't matter at all. I mean, you can gain that in a day just in water weight. (laughs) So (laughs) what would you say to somebody if they said, hey man, like, I really want to start traveling and riding my bike too. Like, how do I get started? Like, what if they don't want to do YouTube? What would you say to them? If you can tell a story some way, whether it's a podcast, whether it's writing, whether it's photography, YouTube, virtual reality, carrier pigeon, like if you could tell a story or Snapchat, you could be the Snapchat mountain biking person or Instagram. Yeah, nobody's really doing that. Do you know anybody? Yeah. Hey guys, that's open for you. Exactly. It is. If you (laughs) can capture people's attention That is all that matters. When you hear about these like, oh, this 13-year-old kid is like dominating social media. It's just because they can capture your attention and spend time just like right now. How far into this podcast are we now? We've captured your attention. We're talking. We're having fun. And if you can tell that story, if you can have fun, as long as you can tell a great story, you're going to get people's attention. And that's what this is really about. Sonia tells great stories through her photos and her life. That's what's also so interesting is you live an interesting life and you document that and it just ends up being something that people are magnetized towards. Yeah, definitely. So what's a common theme that you've seen now you've been to several awesome mountain biking communities, not not only in North America, but around the world. So what's a common theme that you've seen across these communities? That's a tough question because I feel like I've kind of been insulated from communities since it's been a couple guided trips. When you go on a guided trip, you're kind of more insulated. You're kind of in your group and you kind of go around and bounce around versus what I eventually want to do is like be more open and be like, hey, I'm going to be here tomorrow, have a Facebook event, show up, let's go ride together and actually get more into the community and into what's going on. Yeah, but there's people that, like, are you with other people on these trips? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so a common theme amongst the people that you're riding with, because there's certain people that sign up to do these types of things, right? Yeah, definitely. It's mostly older people because they have the time and the money to go on a guided trip. Yeah. And they're all, they've all got a sense of adventure, and they're all really great people. Like, that's the thing where I just did a guided trip in St. George where it was like, my guided trip where I said, hey, guys, want to come ride with me? Everyone's welcome. Come along. Well, not everyone's welcome because you had to pay to get in. But uh, I'll everyone who's willing re- to pay is that. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so I just did this guided trip in St. George. And it was awesome because just a bunch of people with a bunch of sense of adventure. And they came out and we rode and everyone seems to get along really well. Like that's the cool thing about mountain bikers. I kind of had a perception with mountain bikers when me and my brother were first starting out that they were kind of, uh, you know, a little more on the arrogant side. And I don't know, maybe we just ran into some some bad apples along the trail. But 
all these people that I've met in my travels have been so positive and so just into it. It's like, as long as you're out on the trail, if you're fat, you're skinny, you're white, you're black, it does not matter whatsoever. It's if you're a guy, you're a girl, like it's just a very good community of like, hey, we're all out here just having fun. Like you're in the club. Yeah, that's a cool thing that on one of my other podcasts we talked about was a bike transcends all different things. Like it transcends gender, it transcends income, it transcends your background, where you're from. Because when you're out there on your bike, you're just there because you love riding your bike. And it's just an amazing thing that we can all just have in common and do together. Like all that other stuff that society says, oh, this matters. Like what car you drive or what house you have or whatever. Like none of that matters when you're out riding your bike. It just matters like that you have the same thing. You love the same thing. Exactly. That really is all that matters is that we're all out here in the outdoors and all those suckers that are back sitting at home on their couch doing nothing are missing out. Yeah. And I mean, all it takes is that spark to get you off the couch. And you said that there's like lots of people that you've inspired to get out on their bike. And what's been the most striking email that you've gotten saying, hey, man, like you changed my life. Like what is the best one so far? There's been a couple, actually. I'll talk about the most recent one because it's like less personal. There was a really more personal one. But the more recent one was this older guy. And uh, he had sent me an email. He says, I live in Mexico now and I'm 80 years old and I just bought a new bike. You know, it's kind of like a, an old guy buying a new car. But fuck it. I'm, I'm out here to live kind of thing. And yeah. that he'd watch my videos and kind of getting into it. And it was just so touching. I for And he, he even said like, oh, I wish I had a kid like you kind of thing. And just so oh. touching. And I forwarded it to my grandma and grandpa and they got a huge kick out of it like it made their year for sure of like kind of getting like because they get what I do kind of sort of but when they read those kinds of emails and know that I'm making an impact on the world like it just brings it home like a hundred percent yeah, I was going to ask you what your family thinks of what's going on, because I don't know, speaking from personal experience, like my family was kind of not supporting what I was doing until I would say just recently. And I've been doing this for a really long time. So what did your yeah. family say to you? And you're like, I'm quitting my job. Yeah. So my family is super supportive. Like it's kind of a funny thing because the bar has always been a little low, which is cool, but it's kind of, it's always kind of funny. Like my mom and dad's goal was like, Hey, we just want you to be a productive member of society. So it's like the, the bar is pretty low right there, <laughs> but it just meant that we always had the freedom, maybe too much freedom to just kind of pick and choose and hunt and kind of do whatever we want. Like we would always talk about, my mom would always talk about like, we don't care who you bring home, man, woman, whatever, as long as they make you happy. That is the only thing. We don't have to like them. You have to like them. So they've always been super open-minded about just no BS about, oh, relationships and this and that. It's weird. Of course, it's weird to see your son try to become a celebrity, basically, when it boils down to it. It's like you're trying to do something very odd and weird that just doesn't really make sense. How do you make money? How do you do it? But they love it. They watch all the videos. They'll listen to this podcast. They read all the comments and they're so into it and so supportive. And I have a bunch of aunts and uncles and like I keep talking about my grandparents. I have this really big family that is just super supportive and basically made me who I am because of their just having different aunts and uncles and seeing different walks of life and different ways they've grown up. And it's takes a village. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And you, you mentioned your brother at the beginning of this podcast. So does he live in the same town as you? Yeah. He lives like maybe 10 minutes from me. With his wife, he just got a house. He uh, works at Twitch in San Francisco. So Twitch slash Amazon, basically. And uh, 
takes the ferry over to the city and super into, into biking and staying fit, but definitely behind the desk. Yeah. So does he have the time to get out? Like you mentioned, you wanted to ride with him more on the weekends. It's tough. It's definitely tough. He has the time. It's just about, okay, my schedule's so crazy now that it's like on Saturdays, I'm working. Like I need to go out, yes. go film, go hook up with something, go back and come in. It's so... It's tough. It's really tough because I cherish the time we get to spend together because I know that the day will come where it's not going to happen. Like, I'm so grateful to have a very close relationship with my brother and just never take this stuff for granted. So we just did Outer Bike last month or two months ago, and that was awesome because it was me and him for, you know, three or four days goofing around. And the videos were great, and it's we'll have those videos for 50 years, right? Like, we can go back on YouTube. if It'll exist in some kind of form and be able to look back and just that was a moment in time. Yeah, for sure. So, like, on your rides, I know that when you're shooting a lot of footage, you have to spend a lot of time stopping, starting, maybe going back and rewriting a section. So... How much time would you say you dedicate to that per ride? And, and do you have rides where you just don't bring a camera at all? It's very rare when I don't bring a camera because it's just, it's work. If I can get something out of that day, I'll bring it. But on some of my cross-country like race training rides I've done recently, I don't bring a camera because the video would just be, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the bars move and it would just be unwatchable. But on a normal ride, I try to document more than create a photo shoot. So everybody, like a lot of, I get a lot of comments like, man, if you had a drone, it'd be so great. It wouldn't. It turns it into a whole video shoot. It turns it into like bringing the drone and the batteries ran out and then you got to fly it and you got to get someone else to fly it. So that's the awesome thing about the GoPro and the gimbal is like, I change battery about every 45 minutes. I'm always checking out, making sure the camera position is good. And pretty much I could just go straight through a ride with normal stopping without any problem. But if there's a really cool section, I try to make time to stop, get the iPhone out, put it in a tripod, go back, ride through. And those shots are the ones that really make the thumbnail. Thumbnail and title are everything on YouTube. And when you get a great thumbnail, it really helps your video. But there's a balance between documenting a fun ride, slowing it down for everyone else and turning it into a video shoot. Yeah, that is really hard to find the balance. But I bet that you also find that if you have your camera and you're like, well, like maybe I just I'm just going to ride today. You're so excited to document. You're so excited to share your story that you want to do it. It's not a chore. It's fun. It, it is true. It, that is definitely something that, especially I've got something to say, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I could do this and I could fit that into this. And it does keep me going. That's awesome. So you mentioned that you are, you're training for something for a race. I've been training. And so this is the <laughs> thing about goals and setting goals and you know, my true goal is to make the most fun videos I possibly can. And that comes first. So traveling around and riding and making great videos is what comes first. And when you want to train to win, I want to win like a category two cross country race. And I've come close like four years ago, three years ago when my fitness was at its all time best. My brother beat me a couple times in some of these races. And the, you just it's just tough to train when you're out on the road and traveling. When I'm at home, I can hit the gym three times a week. I can ride three times a week. I can eat what I need to eat. Like, it's don't feel bad for me for traveling, but you guys that are at home that have a schedule, it's pretty nice to be able to just go across the borderline and do it. So hopefully it'll happen this year. I It's starting to look pretty bad, though. <laughs> oh, I think that it ebbs and flows like fitness. And there's times where you think, oh, man, like I haven't been training and I'm screwed. I'm screwed for this event. And you're not like it's in there. It just it's yeah. funny what happens on race day. <laughs> yeah, that adrenaline. As long as you get that fuel in you, the actual uh, hydration and some electrolytes, 
you go a lot farther than you think. Awesome. Well, do you have anything else that you'd like to leave us with, like kind of a closing message for everybody? Check out my channel. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. I have no problem with that. Like, I actually do not mind if you don't like my videos. That means you're not one of my people. But if you are, come check it out. BKXC on YouTube. Yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And thanks so much. Can't wait to actually ride with you. Hopefully that'll yes, happen soon. That has to happen. I gotta get that you up to, to Kelowna happen. so I can show you my trails, just like how everybody wants to show you their trails. But yep, my trails yep. are fun too. <laughs> Okay, you're going to have to prove it. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast. And we'll be looking forward to seeing more from you on YouTube. Thanks, Sonia. Thanks. Brian is so awesome. I know I feel personally motivated to continue working on my YouTube channel. He gave some really awesome tips. And like he said, he's really interested in helping people. So if you are trying to start a YouTube channel, or maybe there's something he said that you really connected with, make sure that you reach out to him and also subscribe to his YouTube channel. It's really good and really interesting. Thanks again, you guys, for listening to the podcast. And if you enjoyed it, please leave a review on iTunes. That really helps out. I love that you guys have been leaving them. I've been reading every single one of them. And if you want to contribute more, feel free to visit the Patreon page, which is also linked up in the show notes. I'm just finishing up the Transylvania Epic Mountain Bike Race this week, and I'm looking forward to bringing you a special edition talking about that race. Wishing you all the best success in your training and all of your adventures, and we'll see you back here next week. <laughs>